Hi, this is Savannah. And this is Brian from the Dorky Diva Show. And you're listening to Star Wars. The best place for below average Star Wars. The Dorky Diva Show presents... Why is this seat so much more comfortable? The long-awaited sequel to the adventures of the Zolandart audio drama. Have you seen the captain's datapad? Trying to work, Murph. Piloting the Zolandart by himself. You do understand the details of this particular job, correct? I've been on plenty of jobs like this. With you! Reldar Sias returns to a planet he thought he'd left behind for good. Is there a reason you didn't mention I was tagging along? Hopefully having you there will make others think twice about messing with me. Making new friends. Oh, you must be the pilot of the Zolan Dart, yes? I guess I am. And reconnecting with old ones. Reldar? Vera? What are you doing here? Until past grudges resurface. I'd be minding my own business if I were you. Well, if your business wasn't being handled right in front of my face, maybe I could mind my own business. We have to leave. Now. Why the rush all of a sudden? We're in trouble. If it isn't little Reldarsoyth. Hey, Yorick. <laughs> Long time no see. Rose already knows you're here. Oh. Look who decided to come home. Reldar must confront his origin. I must admit, I never saw this as being a part of your past, Softshell. Or let it define his future. I will get what is owed to me, no matter the cost. Because what Roz is trying to do is wrong. Says you. My blasters. We're going to need these. Take that, Slavo. <laughs> Who do you think you are? The Adventures of the Zolan Dart, Episode 2, coming soon. to the Star Wars show, the best place for below average Star Wars. I am the Geordie Jedi Pete. I am Canon Junkie XL Ian. I'm Jason Hondo Ling. And I'm Kat Rizyalka. And we are back with a brand new episode of Star Wars to deep dive review the latest episode of Ahsoka, streaming now on Disney+, Plus. obviously the brand new Star Wars live action series. We're going to be deep dive reviewing part six, Far Far Away. Directed by Jennifer Getzinger, written by Dave Filoni, as the whole series has been. And it was released on September 19th, 2023. So again, if you have not watched part six, Far, Far Away, of Ahsoka, pause this podcast now, jump on Disney+, Plus, watch the brand new episode, and then come back. Otherwise, you're definitely going to have it spoiled for you, because we are going to be getting deep diving and sweaty, talking the details, the canon, and the law, and just where we think it's going in the future as well, uh, for the final two episodes coming up. So please do that. But if you haven't done that yet, we're going to resume you here for the ride and we're going to take you on the ride now. Um, let's just start off with the very beginning of the episode. 
the episode begins with Ahsoka and Hu Yang. They're traveling sort of inside their Jedi Starfighter. Um, sorry, Starship, I suppose, not a Starfighter. Inside the Jedi Starship, which is inside the Purgle, which are the Star Wheels. And they're traveling through hyperspace to hopefully get to where Thrawn and Morgan Elsbeth is and are. Um, and they're discussing sort of Sabine Wren's choice in siding with the enemy to find Ezra. Um, so let's just go to you first, Ian. Sort of what were your thoughts about this discussion that they're having? And sort of how do you feel about how it leaves things between Ahsoka and Sabine at this point? I really enjoyed it. I liked the little subtle nods when they said about Hu Yang's uh, histories of the galaxies, part one, two, and three, and Ahsoka saying, oh, part one's the best. I don't know about to nod to the prequel era where she came from. That was pretty a nice little fun thing. And I would absolutely listen to an audio book of Hu Yang telling us the history of the galaxy. That would be really cool. Uh, I really enjoyed the title. I don't know if you guys saw it this week, but there was a clip of Dave Filoni. I don't think it was at last celebration, but the celebration before when they said, where's Ezra? And he said, far, far away. Obviously, that goes into the title of the episode. I really enjoyed that as well. And uh, yeah, no, the, the conversation between Hu Yang and Ahsoka, uh, I agree with Hu Yang's assessment of it, saying that maybe for Sabine she had no choice. We found out that her family uh, died in the Great Purge of Mandalore, uh, so she has no family left. And the only family she has left now, besides Hera and Chopper, is Ezra, who she still doesn't know is alive. She's been given this false hope that he is alive. Uh, not false hope, sorry, but potentially false hope. She doesn't know if he is alive at the, the point when she's told. And... Yeah, I can certainly see why she did do it, to be honest. Yeah, I think for me it was a case of, you know, Ahsoka gets put over the cliff, you know, we don't know what's happened there. And she's sort of left with a choice where, you know, the, they've got the coordinates. Um, they're on the ship, you know. They've got the hyperdrives that they also need to go along with the coordinates, you know what I mean? So really, the probably the only way she is going to get there is for her to make this decision to sort of become a prisoner and go with them. Um, it's very much like Avengers Endgame, you know, like there's that, there's that one, there's that one reality where the Avengers win and defeat Thanos. And this is it. We know it's like, yes, it's sort of the wrong decision, but it's actually the right one because by getting herself there, A, she actually finds Ezra, which is fantastic. And then B, it also allows for Ahsoka to then follow on chaser. I think in my opinion, um, I agree, agree. What's, your, what's your thoughts on this conversation between Hugh Yang and, and Ahsoka and sort of and how do you feel it leaves things between Ahsoka and Sabine going into the next episodes? Um, I think it, it sort of leaves it um, that um, the worldly and wise Hugh Yang had given Ahsoka a great deal to think about. You know, we can understand why she was feeling the way she was and felt almost betrayed. Um but Huang sort of points out, really, did Sabine have much of a choice? Um, so I, I really like that uh, um, it's sort of a role reversal for Huang at this point. Um, and I love the way that the far, far away has now been brought into the story. So now that title, although I'm sure George never intended it in the way that it has become, suddenly has a meaning that runs all the way through Star Wars. And obviously now there's uh, this galaxy 
another galaxy that's linked to Star Wars that's there open for a bit of an exploration. It is indeed. And Kat, what's your thoughts on who Young and Ahsoka and them sort of deep dive looking into sort of Sabine's actions and who Young sort of saying, you know, she, she did it to help our friend, if anything? Hui Yang has been quite harsh towards Sabine for most of the episodes and it was quite surprising to see him be compassionate towards Sabine's choices and the fact that she perhaps didn't have a choice. She's driven by this deep sense of loyal friendship towards Ezra and she's never really recovered from what he did to save Lafal and to disappear. So I think Hu Yang is showing a lot more compassion than Ahsoka. And if anything, I don't agree with Ahsoka because she's being sort of her wise self. But I think during the Clone Wars, that's the exact kind of decision she would have made if Anakin had been in trouble. So, yeah, I'm team Hu Yang. Definitely. And I think, yeah, he's trying to, he's trying to put her back in her place a bit like you would have made the exact same decision. And like you're being a bit moody here. She's being a bit moody, I think. You know, she's probably a bit emotional after World Between Worlds and facing her old master Anakin. That's probably still on her mind, you know what I mean? And that's why Hu Yang says, you know, maybe you've got a story to tell me, in which case he wants to know about what happened in the World Between Worlds. And she's like, No, I'm not I'm not happy to tell you that right now. So she's being a bit moody. And I think I think that's what it comes down to. I think it's sort of being a bit moody here and he puts her back in her place about saying, you know, like she's gone there, she might have Ezra already. And we're going there now and like we'll all be together and get out of this thing together, which is what it's all about, isn't it? Star Wars about being together, found family, coming together to overcome the odds and overcome evil. Um so after that, you know, we have the eye of Sion, it arrives outside of Peridia. Um they take a shuttlecraft down to the ancient homeworld of Morgan Elves of people known as the Dathomiri which are also sort of the, the ancient homeworld of what will become the Night Sisters of Dathomir, I suppose. Um, and Morgan Elsbeth, Balin and Shin and Sabine, I suppose, uh, meet the Great Mothers. And it is a group of three Night Sisters who are allied to Thrawn, who have been reaching out to Morgan Elsbeth across from a different galaxy to tell her how to get here. Um, very um, Shakespearean, very Macbeth, three witches-like. Um, let's go to you, Kat. So, what was your thoughts on seeing the three great mothers, and sort of what's your thoughts on sort of the reliance with Thrawn? This was really interesting because it's Dave Filoni again pulling from mythology. This is something that we've seen so much throughout his storytelling. Um, a lot of people have already commented that Balin and Shin are named after the warlords from Norse mythology. And the Great Mothers are called Clotho, Akchapur, and Lachesis, which is a take on the three fates from ancient Greek mythology, who are Clotho, Lachesis, and Atropos. So pretty similar um, names there, just spelt a little differently. And it's very interesting that they're here on Peridia. How long have they been there? Are they immortal? It's got such this mysterious element. And I love how we don't get answers, actually. I think sometimes the mystery benefits characters more. And 
we know that in the actual galaxy that we've just traveled from where Dathomir is that the Night Sisters have been basically wiped out by the Empire. Uh, Merin and Morgan are some of the only ones left. No, definitely. Isn't so it. I think it's possible that their alliance with Fawn is a chance for the Night Sisters to rebuild, to get back into the main galaxy, to return to Dathomir, to rebuild their civilization, basically. And it's very interesting what the details of this alliance are with Fawn. There are some hints, but it's very mysterious. Yeah, we sort of see later on much we'll talk about sort of what they're going to transport, what Thrawn's going to transport for them to the main Star Wars galaxy. And I think you've maybe hit some nails on the head there. Um, Jason, let's go to you. What was your thoughts on the the three great mothers and our introduction to the Dathomiri? Well, the, the Night Sisters Dathomir, something that I absolutely loved from the Clone Wars and everything, obviously then reappearing in Rebels. Um, and Mother Talzin was, you know, great. Um, seeing these three witches, um, when I first saw the figures, I thought, oh my God, they're not bringing back Mother Talzin. <laughs> and, and then obviously when it was revealed that these were another group of, Daff- of you know, almost original Daphimiri. Um, it was it was great um, because obviously with Morgan Elspeth, it gives us more of an ex- explanation of um, how she's been called, how Thrawn's been calling out to her and, you know, exactly what we were querying beforehand. Um, and I have to say that um, one of the main... Um, uh, great mother um, in the centre, and I'm just trying to find which name it was, but sorry, couldn't find, um, is played by one of my favourite sci-fi actresses who was also in Stargate and the great series Farscape, um, Claudia Black. Um, and she's a, she's a great actress, so it was great seeing her brought into Star Wars. Um, I'm hoping we're going to see more of the Daphimir, and I hope they do get brought, or the Daphimir sisters brought through into the galaxy again and cause a little bit of chaos um, for everyone um, because they're just great characters. Yeah, and obviously, you know, we, we, we know Mother Talzin from the Clone Wars era was like leader of the Night Sisters of Daphimir, but these are the great mothers, so they're almost like the great grandmothers, I think, a bit like. These are the next yeah. level up. Um, this is a, this is your great grandma. Um, so yeah, very interesting times. Ian, what's your thoughts on the uh, or our introduction to the Dathomiri here? One of my favourite scenes in this uh, episode was when you saw the first statue outside the window of the shuttle. I thought that was, I thought it was really cool. Obviously, see, we saw the same statues on uh, Arcana, I believe, at the beginning of the se- series. So obviously these. But yeah, seeing obviously live action Night Sisters, great mothers, and that was was really cool. I love the I love the Night Sisters from uh, the Clone Wars, like Jason said, and it'd be really interesting to see what they're going to do next episode. As Thrawn obviously getting ahead of ourselves, but Thrawn does ask for their help again. So yeah, just those striking statues outside the window of the shuttle when uh, when they went past, I thought that was. Uh, 
amazing. Yeah, I thought it was a really cool introduction to for people who've never seen the Night Sisters either. I think it was a really cool introduction for people who don't know that there is witches in Star Wars and all that type of thing. I like how the witches say they can it stinks of Jedi and sort of the camera sort of Sabine does does a face, but we also see Beard and Skull make a face as well. And like do you think she can smell all three of them? Or is it just Sabine she can smell? Or like what's what's going on, do you think? We'll go to you first, Kat. Um that line. I think she's referring to all of them or who knows? You tell me. I love Sabine's face. She's like they're not referring to me, right? <laughs> I actually don't think they are referring to Sabine. Even though they lock her up, I think they've mistaken Sabine. If anything, they're sensing Balin. Because if you look closely at Balin's costume, you'll notice on his belt there is a green kyber crystal, which could be his original crystal from his days in the Jedi Order. And if he still carries it, that suggests that maybe he's got a link to the light side still present, even though he's much more of a dark side, a mercenary now. And the way Balin speaks and acts all throughout this episode suggests that there is this indecision within him about which side he's really on. Yeah, I'll pick that up. To me, he seems a bit confused and he has contradicted himself a few times throughout the series, I think, and he's all chaos at some points and then the next he's all giving monologues and one-sentence answers that are really common. You know, I think he, he obviously kind of kind of decide what he wants and maybe he is torn and they can't sense that. But yeah, for me, I think they can probably smell the midi-chlorines is what I'm thinking. Go back to those bad lads. They can smell the midi-chlorines inside Shane and Bale and I think... Um, and I think they end up locking up Sabine for for no reason really. Um which is fun. Um Ian, what do you think? You think the Jedi stench that can smell is Sabine or not? No, I'm with Kat. I think they were sensing uh Balin, especially Balin. But uh also uh Shin maybe as well. I know he said he trained it to be a bit more, but she's very she's a very Jedi look. So no, I think I think they were definitely sensing general Balin skull, as we find out later. But yeah, you know, he would have been he would have been a soldier on the Clone War. So and that's how Thrawn knows a lot of them. So yeah. that that so yeah. And it, he would have recognised the name from Battle Report and stuff from the Clone War era, guaranteed. Um Jason, your thoughts on the stench of Jedi and where it comes from? Well, I'm definitely gonna agree with you all that I think it's actually Balan and Shin that is the smell. Um but I don't I don't agree with the fact that um Balin is torn. Um I know obviously it becomes clearer throughout the episode, but I've always felt that he had a plan and I felt there was more to him. Um and yeah, I think out of all of them, I think Balin is the one that's got more going on than people realise. And I, I think he's hiding a lot. Um and I think the character for me is is the breakout for this series because the the he's got a plan that I think is gonna gonna be very different to what everyone else was expecting. Um, but I love the exposition that we get. I also have to mention that obviously um, something that hasn't come up as they were arriving 
um, at Peridia and they were coming forward. Obviously, um, we saw the debris as a uh, that brought back originally memories of a new hope. And then when Balin explains that it's actually a graveyard, I thought it was really eerie that then we got to see the bones of the space whales floating in space, um, which gave this whole place that extra sense of doom to it. Um, you know, this was a place where things came to an end. Yeah, it was really, really powerful that moment. Um so yeah, so as they wait for the Grand Admiral's arrival, um, sort of Balin relates to Shin his belief that the fall of the Jedi and the rise of the Empire were part of an inevitable cycle, one he now intends to break. Um, Thrawn arrives in the Star Destroyer. We get that awesome shot of the Quimera overhead with the pattern underneath. Um, obviously, the Quimera has been in better shape um, than it is right now. Um, and obviously... The Grand Admiral sort of honors Balin's promise, and he's sort of very interested. When he hears Sabine's name, obviously he knows Sabine, but nobody knows Sabine. Um, and you get the impression maybe he doesn't want to leave any loose ends. So even if they could just leave right now, he maybe doesn't want to leave Ezra Bridger out there. Because even though he would be stranded, I think maybe he knows that you wouldn't want to underestimate the Jedi, and some way somehow he would turn up still in the known galaxy and stop him again. Um, is what I think. Um, but yeah, on as Balin's promise, uh, he gives Sabine provisions, a howl amount, um, leaders intelligence on Bridges' whereabouts, and Sabine leaves. Um, and obviously, thrown after that, tells Balin and Shin to follow her at her own pace, and you know maybe let her find Ezra first if she can, and then kill them both. Um, what were your thoughts on this? It was a bit like a bit sneaky, and it was a bit of like maybe thrown feeling out Balin and as you said as someone said you know he, he when he when he gets introduced to Balin he then recognises the name and goes back to Balin being a general in the Grand Army of the Republic which is probably the last time he came across the name if that makes sense um, and he's sort of I think he's feeling him out quite a bit here and I think later on he goes he tells Morgan Elsbeth you know should all four of them not come back even, even better Um We'll go to you first, Kat. So what's your thoughts on on this bit of it's not so much tense, but you can definitely see Thrones definitely feeling these guys out who he hasn't met before. Thrawn is a tactician and every move he plays, he's already fought five steps ahead. And I think that's what we're seeing in this scene. Thrawn is honouring Balan's promise to Sabine that she can go and look for Ezra. But it's also a test for Balin and Shinhati. Fawn knows the Force. He has met and worked with previous Force users. He's worked with Darth Vader. And I think he knows how susceptible they are to both sides of the light and dark side. So by honouring Balin's agreement under his own terms, he's testing... Balan and Shin's loyalties. Are those loyalties to Morgan, their employer, or are those loyalties basically to themselves? And it's a very smart move because by doing this, Fawn is trying to ensure that basically there's no traitors aboard his ship. He knows that Morgan is going to be loyal because of her connection to the Dakamiri and the Great Mothers. 
he's actively helping her culture, her civilization. But the all the force users are sort of wild cards. And he wants to make sure that every card is accounted for and he knows exactly where they're going to be played. And I think it's it's such a fawn move. Definitely. Ian, let's go to you. What's your thoughts on on the sort of the, the tenseness that Thrawn has now that Morgan's arrived but hasn't arrived alone? I like your point uh, where you mentioned about Ezra saying that uh, he's wants to tie that loose end up because obviously he's stopped him before and he knows he can do it again. So I, I do like that point. I like that point you raised, Pete. Uh, I like what Thrawn did, to be fair. It's, it's typical villain. Uh, it's typical Thrawn thinking two steps ahead, potentially trying to test Balin and Shin whether to see if they are really part of the cause or whether they're not part of the cause. And if they're not part of the cause, I think he just plans to leave them there anyway and abandon them on Peridia anyway. So it'd be interesting to see how this plays out. Something's going on with Balin. Uh, something's going on with him. He's looking for a power, like he says in the episodes. Uh, what power do you seek? And he says, oh, well, if the stories are true, what are those stories? It's quite interesting that. One thing I did see on uh, on Twitter earlier was on the Dathomiri fort, there was writing that mentioned Kujet, who is the Zepho ruler uh, that we see in Jedi Fallen Order, So it's who had a tomb on Dathomir. So it's nice that they could potentially potentially be the power that you're searching for. Maybe the Zepho. Who knows? Because they did retreat into the unknown regions. Obviously, this is a different galaxy, but they might have got across there eventually. So yeah, really interesting. But as as for the villain thing with Thrawn, I think it's just a sneaky way to say, well, I did. I did honour my word, but now I'm going against it. So yeah, I, I, I enjoyed that. Yeah, I noticed the Zepho, there's a bit where, like, inside, like, it's like the, they're not squares, but the sort of sort of squares around edges, and it's got, like, things, it's the same in the Zepho buildings from the Jedi Fallen Order video game. So I think the Zepho would definitely have been here, or people using the same the same language, maybe. Well, they must have had a relationship, like I said, because he, he had a tomb on Dathomir, so if this is the home world of the Dathomiri, I'm guessing the Zepho play a role in their past. Definitely. Um, so now Balin's now talking about wanting some power from this planet which he obviously hasn't told Shin about till now when he tells her do you think they're looking for like a cave with some ancient power in it uh, Jason or do you think like what sort of power do you think he's looking for is it a we- is it a weapon is it an orb is it knowledge what do we think it is with Thrawn I think it's going to be it, he wants to build an army um, so no, I mean, I mean sure. Balin so Balin's here. Balin. Yeah. Balin, I I think his his whole reason is basically he's he feels that by going to Peridia, he's going to find a way of um, basically bringing out the defeat of both the Jedi in the form of Ahsoka, and I think the the Imperial in the form of um, Thrawn. So I think for him, this is like the, the last battlefield. Um, and, you know, his master plan is if I wipe out these two forces, then everything will be reset 
Um, so that's what I think is his master plan here. What he's looking for, I'm not completely sure. Um, but I'm looking forward to finding out what he's up to. What he what he actually says is that he's there's some the old stories tell of something being here that would help him reset the galaxy. I think it's pretty much what he says. Like not word for word, but putting a few sentences I together. I don't I don't think it's necessarily an object. I I think it, it's more this place is what's gonna do the reset. Um But is it though because Thrawn's gonna head back to the known galaxy very soon? Like, as soon as them as soon as they've bought all those dead bodies on, which we'll get to soon, like the the Crimea has gone back to the back to Imperial space. Um so I don't think that is part of um of Balon's plan, you know, obviously, I, I don't, to me, he's bringing, he wants to bring about the defeat of the two, so whether that's going to be by finding something here, I think he purely, because he sees this as the place of the myths that he's heard all those years, I think this is where he feels it's all going to come to an end and reset. Um, that's what I think it's pointing at. Um, I don't, you know, obviously a place like this, which is full of all the history of the of the witches, then there could be some magical present, you know, something there that will aid him. Um, but I don't know if that's what he's particularly looking for. I think he's definitely, um, he know he wants to find Ezra as well because obviously Ezra is a loose end on the Jedi side of things. Um, I think he also knows that once he's found Ezra, that will bring Ahsoka to him. So it could even be that it's Ezra that he he's looking to find. Yeah. So you don't think there's much in the fact that he sort of mentions the fairy tales and there's something for them to find here. I I think. I don't think it's a physical object. I think the whole thing is this is the it's about bringing everything back to the beginning. Um, and I think by just you know he's clearly said that by destroying the two, because they won't then start the 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 chopping and changing. One minute it's Jedi, one minute it's, it's the dark side, or the Imperial. You know, so that's what makes me think it's not physical it is more that this place is the place that it's got to happen yeah i think he's looking for somewhere to get something though i'm not saying it's, i'm not saying it's an actual object but i think if he wants to stop it all he needs to stop grand admiral ray sloan doesn't he that's who's going to set up the first order and he needs to stop luke skywalker doesn't he from the center of the jedi school if he wants to stop the jedi in the empire this this is you know but how much of that is he aware of we don't know obviously I suspect everyone knows about Luke Skywalker, but I think at this at this precise moment, he feels that this place, because it's the starting point of the stories as he sees it, you know, it's the fairy tale place. Um, and it's where, you know, from the sounds of it, the Daphomir to uh, you know, travelled to his galaxy. And obviously, you know, that's why I think it's this place is more the point. He sees it as like a focal point. 
Ian, do you think there could be a difference? Obviously, the, you refer to as the Dathomiri here, and sort of the make a point of sort of differentiating here in these great mothers to the night sisters of Dathomir. Obviously, you know, this is the original homeworld, but there's sort of a bit of differentiation put in. I feel that maybe, you know, once they get away the garn, it's like, you know, once the once the night sisters are set up on Dathomir, whenever that happened eons ago, like, you know, the sort of you know, the they're not necessarily doing the wishes of these great mothers. It's sort of like a separate entity, if that makes sense. Um so do you think the great mothers will travel with Thrawn back to our known Star Wars galaxy? Yeah, I believe so, because I'm sure when he first turns up, he says, oh, we'll all soon escape this exile. And obviously, I think they're loading up. Morgan Elsbeth says about the catacombs of the fortress, which was awesome, by the way. It looked like something out of Lord of the Rings. Uh said something about the catacombs, and they were loading, it looked like coffins onto the uh, Chimera. So, no, yeah, I, I believe they will make the journey to the known galaxy, whether they seek Dathomir to restart the Night Sisters of Dathomir uh, would be really interesting. And, yeah, no, I, I, I fully believe that they'll make the journey with Thrawn to the known galaxy. I think that's the deal they cut with him, uh, whatever whatever they've used for him before, because, like he says, he asked for their help again. I think he cut a deal with them and said, look, if you help me, I will get you back to the known galaxy. Yeah. I mean, let's talk about, you know, obviously they start loading the Star Destroyer with items from the catacombs, which look like little coffins that could have dead night sisters in them, I suppose. They also look a little bit like mechanical. I think there was some lights on some of them, so I'm not saying that these night sisters are dead. They could be in a deep sleep, maybe. I don't know. Um, Kat, what's your thoughts on what they're loading the Star Destroyer with? And what it could mean for the Star Wars galaxy. The Night Sisters have dark side magic that has been quite wild at times during the Clone Wars. I mean, we've seen them resurrect other Night Sisters. We've seen them haunt from the dead as ghosts. So they could be skeletons or zombies from the catacombs. And it could be that the deal they've struck with Thrawn is that the Night Sisters or the Dathomiri will be Thrawn's army in exchange for returning to the known galaxy. But at the same time, maybe that's too obvious. We know about the resurrectionist powers of uh, the Night Sisters, so maybe that's too obvious. And could there be links to the Zepho? This is possible a planet that has clearly got links to both the Dathomiri and the Zepho. We've seen the technology and the runes that appear in Fallen Order. There's references to Kujet, who was the dark side Zepho. So it could be some kind of technology. Maybe they're all automatons and Fawn wants like some kind of droid army. I'm not sure, but it's got to be Fawn's master plan to return him to power when he return when he comes back to the main galaxy. Yeah. Um Ian, what's your thoughts on Thrawn's stormtrooper units? Obviously they're referred to as night troopers, uh knight with an N. Um and they've sort of got damaged armor and red lace on some of the armor, which is reminiscent of the red lace 
of some of the knights just as a tire. Yeah, really cool. I, I like they're called night troopers. I thought that was really cool. I, I believe that they're they're dead stormtroopers who have been resurrected by the night sisters. I believe that's the deal with the throne cut, uh, and also the the new captain of the guard, Captain Enoch. That's a one hell of a new costume for that. I thought when he turned around, I was like, oh, that's like really creepy with the gold mask and that type of stuff, and Captain Enoch. Uh, yeah, no, really, really interesting designs for the new stormtroopers, the gold, the red. And like I said, I, I do believe that they're, they're undead stormtroopers who obviously died at the Battle of Lothal but were brought back to life for Thrawn. Part of us thinks that because... Of, but then part of us thinks they've been here for so long, maybe they're just, they've, they've been given some extra powers and given things. So there's a bit where, obviously... You know, he's going to send some squads out to follow Balin and Shin to maybe take off Balin, Shin, Sabine and Ezra all down, depending on what happens. And sort of he says, we can only send two squads because we've already lost too many. So he, he sort of he isn't thinking about resources infinite here. He does he think he needs to be very careful about his resource, which to me makes me think questions whether they would be dead or not, if that makes sense. Yeah. If they're dead and they can't die, then you can't lose them. And then, do you know what I mean? It's a strange one. It's a strange one. What do we think about Captain Enoch? What's his story, do we think? He's a new character completely. So he's not from um, the Expanded Universe. He's not from um, Hate the Empire or anything like that, I don't believe. So he's completely new. I think he. I think his design, that is really, really cool. It's really different for Star Wars. It's very, uh, I don't know, it's like Roman guard type thing with the mask. Uh, I really like it. Like I said, he's, he's not a... He's a brand new character. He's not from Air to the Empire. In Air to the Empire, it was Rook, who obviously we saw in Star Wars Rebels, that was Thrawn's bodyguard slash guard. And if you ever read it, if you ever read that trilogy, it turns out that Rook obviously kills Thrawn in that trilogy. So I don't know whether that will be too on the nose and whether it'll be Captain Enoch who kills Thrawn in this. But no, really, a really interesting character and his design is really, really cool. Definitely. Jason, what's your thoughts on what's getting loaded on board the Star Destroyers and what's your thoughts on these new star on these new stormtroopers, the night troopers? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty convinced that the um night troopers are, you know, um resurrected troopers um through the the um night sisters. That seems to be pretty prominent because obviously Thrawn Thrawn's also very aware that he's he's got limited resources, um, so which I I sort of thought well he's trying to rebuild so what could be in those um, coffins, um, but I also like the idea that it could be that they're taking it back to sort of replenish the um, Daphimir with more Night Sisters that would be also a very cool thing. Um, again, it's there's so many possibilities, and I think this is where Dave Filoni is blown it out of the water. That there's so many things that could happen. Um, you know, Enoch is it's just a brilliant character. The way they've brought that in um, with the um, you know we we've, we've obviously seen different stormtrooper um, captains um, like Captain Phasma. Um, where the uniform's very different, very 
you know, and now we've got this gold mask. And I just think, you know, Thrawn's putting his identity, um, you know, everything seems to be gold with Thrawn, which is great. You know, it's very imperial and, you know, just goes with the whole um, taking control. So, but I just don't know where Dave Filoni's going to take us, but that's part of what I really want in this series. I don't want to know at the end of each episode what's going to happen in the next one. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Steam you, Jason, obviously, you know, with all that going on at sort of the Dathomiri headquarters, their big base, which is resting something out of Lord of the Rings, almost like a dark side um, Minas Tirith, I thought. Um, you know, Sabine is on the hunt for Ezra Bridger. Uh, she gets attacked by, um, I don't know what it would be, sort of. They're almost like a little tribe, aren't they? A little tribe of attackers, attacker. Um, you know, robbers, I suppose yeah. you could call them. Um, what was your thoughts on on these guys who were after her? Uh, this was the one bit that I felt it was a little... Uh, it just felt a little bit too recycling. Um, this band, this group of bandits, I suppose, or, you know, raiders. Well, to me, it was... It was this planet's version of the Tuscan Raiders. Even and what frustrated me was even the sound effects sounded to me like Tuscan Raiders. Um, but the costumes they were pretty cool. Although I did have, a, a, I had a vibe of like almost um, the guards from the Last Jedi, uh, and I just it all felt a little bit recycled in this situation but um you know they you know they were very much this tribe very similar to tuscan raiders so obviously which you know as we know uh, a lot of places probably have these sort of tribes so this sort of thing would happen um but yeah the sound effects to me just felt like they'd recycled the tuscan raiders what i did like about it was that it shows us that there's, you know, there's not just the Dathomiri here in this new galaxy, like there is other people. Um, and you know they're not very powerful, but there is other people here. Um, Kat, what was your thoughts on, on Sabine's beginning to look for Ezra and her her introduction to the bandits and how this goes down and obviously the destruction of the scanning equipment that's going to help her find Ezra? Yeah, I love how we're quite a few years on from Han looking for Luke on Hoff and it's still the exact same piece of equipment. They haven't tried to make it any smaller whatsoever. Um, these bandits were quite interesting. They gave me sort of like there were samurai vibes to the armor and the helmet actually did look Zepho shaped. Oh, I know I keep going on about Zepho. But they did look Zepho shaped, but certainly two of them. And maybe it suggests that there was or is another race present on, on Peridia, along with the Dathomiri. So it was an interesting fight. I, I'm not sh currently I'm not sure what the purpose of the fight was, apart from to introduce these characters, because 
Balin and Shin find them later on, and they're sort of teaming up with them in order to hunt down Sabine. Maybe it was to show the fact that Sabine is getting better at using the lightsaber, but I was just wanting more time with the Howler. I was worried when the Howler ran off, ran off that we wouldn't see it again. So I'm glad it came back because I loved every moment with the Howler. He was so sweet. Yeah, I thought the Howler was awesome. He was, he was just like a cute, like, you know, it's funny I've been, as you guys know, and some of the listeners know, I've, I'm recovering from hernia surgery. So I've been sort of housebound. And um, my family, in my family, there's a dog called Dave who he's been spending a lot of time with me while I've been housebound. And like, you know, he's, he's been good little bud and he's kept us from being too lonely because it is really lonely. And then just seeing this howler when I came back, it just reminded me of like what Dave the dog had done for me over the past few weeks of being there. So it it, did, it was quite like beautiful in that respect that it come back. And then, you know, obviously later on we see it run off and it picks up a smell and Sabine follows it. And, you know, she thinks it's just smelling water, but it actually smelled those creatures that are um, the naughty. Um, and then it goes to eat the naughty, but then she tells it off for eating the naughty. And then, you know, we say that on the naughty sort of feed it. Um, so again, just all around a good a good Star Wars creature, I think, who's quite cute and adorable while also being looking maybe a bit vicious on the outside, I suppose. Um, you know, from here, you know, Sabine obviously survives the attack, the ambush by the bandits, um, finds the Noki, the natives, and, uh, you know, the Noki are able to take them to our village where she finds Ezra. Um, let's go to you, Ian. What's your thoughts on on the Naughty and also like how they take Sabine and the Howler in to their village? I suppose I like what Jason said, like he said about the bandits being the Tuscan Raiders because these seem like the Jawas of Peridia, like a bit of recycling going on there. I thought they were really cool, they were like crab turtle creatures, which were weird. I like that they recognized, uh. Sabine's uh, Rebel Insignia, and obviously they got one from Ezra. That's a really cool little tie-in. And yeah, no, I, I I like them. I think they're I think they're a fun little little characters. They obviously make they live on Peridia and all that type of stuff because obviously later on we see Ezra say that they don't ever stay in one place at once. I take it that's to stay ahead of whoever may be the predators on this on this planet. So yeah, no, really cool, a really cool little uh, new species that feel like Star Wars. And uh, yeah, no, really, really enjoyed them coming in to the series. And then, what's your thoughts on Ezra and Sabine's sort of getting that's, re- re- There's going to be a really awkward moment when he realizes how she got here. I think he just assumes that she's come on a ship and found him, and they're going to go back. I am, I am interested to see the dynamic between Thrawn and Ezra because it seems like Thrawn doesn't know where Ezra is, which is weird. Then you find out, well, how does he not know where he is? That he must have escaped or he must have done something when they got to Peridia. It's a really interesting little uh, little story to be told there of how he's got away from thing. I think uh, the actor, who uh, I can't remember his name now, uh, who's playing Ezra, looks just like Ezra. He has the scar of the, of the Grand Inquisitor on his cheek. He has the blue eyes. Uh, but yeah, I think there is an awkward conversation coming when he finds out how Sabine has basically given Thrawn a... Because he sacrificed everything to keep Thrawn out of the Galactic Civil War. Now Sabine has allowed Thrawn a path back into the known galaxy. 
Perhaps, I think Sabine was captured anyway, I wasn't sure, do you know what I mean? So, you know, I know she given the, the didn't shoot the uh, the no. orb when she should have done the map, but um, I can see once they get down, they'll come up with a plan. He'll She'll give him his lightsaber, then we'll be off for the races, I think, um, yeah. on, a, on another Rebels adventure, hopefully. Uh, but it's just good how she just wanted a moment to be happy with her friend. That's what she said, essentially, um, which I thought was pretty beautiful, and how he gave her that moment as well. Um, which was really good. Um, Jason's got you. Sort of, what are your thoughts on on Ezra and Sabine's um, reacquaintance, and sort of where do you see it going next? I love the way you know um, we were introduced to these great little characters, Naughty. Um, like you, I I have to admit when I saw them, I straight away thought. Oh no, resistance! But I actually like these characters, so I was I was quite happy with that. Um, and the way they led Sabine and you know um, the Hailer, um, which I thought uh, to begin with, I had real issues with the Hailer. I was thinking again, I had a bit of a recycling issue because I felt like the um, horse type creatures that they'd had in um, the Rise of Skywalker. But then the more this became another Star Wars sort of um, character in that he was loyal to Sabine. And, you know, it was something when you first saw him, it was like a giant snarling rat. And yet this creature, you know, clearly was there to help. And then when you heard Ezra's voice, one, I think he got the voice absolutely perfect. And then when she turned round, what struck me was the image, obviously, of Ezra was not what we were all expecting. But it was like looking at the picture that we'd seen all the way through Rebels of Ezra's father. And I think that showed, obviously, the passing of time. Ezra's older now. And now, you know, um, there were... There was an air about him of someone who's experienced a lot in his time there. Um, so, yeah, but he still had that cheeky Ezra about him. And, you know, um, yeah, I think he's going to I think once Sabine explains exactly what's happened, he's going to understand. And let's face it, if she had destroyed the orb, then there would have been no going back or, or very little chance of going back for Ezra. So it was a case of she had to get there and the pair of them, I'm sure, are going to work a way out of it. Yeah, and one of the things I loved was the fact that, you know, when Sabine first meets the first uh, Naughty, it, it sees the Rebel Alliance Hope logo on her armour and then he has one, that quite a homemade version, and they've all got them. And it seems that Ezra is sort of teaching and helping out this species, which is quite cool. And very Jedi, I suppose you could say. And he's sort of spreading that word. And he's got his own little rebellion here, um, traveling across the uh, the wastes of Peridia, staying one step ahead of Throne the whole way, it seems like. Um, and this is pretty much where the episode ends with Ezra and Sabine. You know, they've met. Sabine says, oh, Can we just be happy for a second? Ezra says, Yes, we're going to pack up. So he can help us pack up and we'll, get, we'll chat and be together. That's how it ends there. Um, it ends with Balin and Shin see another group of bandits and Balin's very much the enemies of our 
enemies or our friends, or can be for a little bit. So it looks like they're maybe going to try and speak to the bandits and get them to join them in hunting down Sabine and Ezra. So that could be the next episode where that picks up from for them. And then from a Thrawn point of view, they've started loading the Star Destroyer with these things from the catacombs. Again, this seems like this was part of the deal that the Great Mothers wanted. It's in, in in the dialogue in the episode. It seems like yes, we're going to help. We're going to help Morgan come here with a means to get you back. In part of the deal is that you need to transport this for us there. Um, is how I understood it anyway. So obviously they've started loading the Star Destroyer with the cat with the items from the catacombs, um, and the Great Mother has also sensed another Jedi coming, um, who Thrawn very much believes is. Ahsoka Tano, even though Morgan says she's dead, he says, I don't believe that until I say it. And uh, Thrawn demands all the details of her history. Um, and he obviously orders the Eye of Siam, which does have those awesome cannons on it, um, to kill any star whales, any purgles that arrive out of hyperspace. Which is a shame, considering that, as we know, they're arriving there to die anyway, because it is a graveyard. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so it could be messy when the purgle do arrive. Um, Cat, we'll go to you. What's your thoughts on sort of the end of the episode and where it leaves our loose ends in terms of Ezra and Sabine, and also in terms of Ahsoka arriving and maybe coming face to face with Throne? It's got to be one of the most dramatic cliffhangers of this season so far. And if Throne hurts any of the space whales, that is it. No redemption for him. Do not bring him back to the main galaxy. Do not pass go. Just go straight to jail. I but, mean, you don't hurt the Pergil. But it could create unlimited sushi for the whole planet of Paradia. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> no leave the Pergil alone. No, I'm joking. Um, I wouldn't do that, I'm joking. Oh, no, I think this episode was just fantastic from start to finish. It, the tension is there now. We've got the stakes, and the stakes are so high. I think Ezra is going to be mad at Sabine for a while because she is basically undone his sacrifice completely and I think that's going to put some tension between the two of them but the stakes now are set and they are so high so it's absolutely amazing um, I can't wait to see what happens what just happens next because there's no predicting where Dave is going to go yeah because the next episode could just be like the New Republic giving Hera a, a, a disciplinary it could be the that could be the opening, couldn't it? You know, might actually get the the write ups. I think for me, I'm expecting. Obviously, you know, Thrones asked for all this information on on Ahsoka, right? So he's probably going to try and like guilt it, like, oh, your master's Anakin Skywalker, the Darth Vader. How do you feel about that? And I can't wait for Ahsoka to be like, I'm at peace because actually, a I've already fought Darth Vader, and also uh, Anakin's just trained me last week, um, and we're very much at peace with each other. So actually, yeah, yeah. You, your little comments aren't going to work, blue guy. I can't wait for that, I think. She's going to try and use that knowledge against him. And she's going to be like, actually, you don't know any of it thrown because actually me and Anakin have just been together and hashed it out. Was it dramatic? Yes. And was it emotional? Yes. But guess what? We've sorted it out. And uh, yeah, whatever you say is not going to not gonna make me angry. Um, Jason, what's your thoughts on how this episode ends and the threads of what Ezra and Sabine are going to do next and what Thrawn is going to do when Ahsoka comes out of hyperspace inside the wheel. Yeah, I think possibly next week we're going to see maybe 
Dalen and Shin try and lead an attack on um, Ezra and Sabine, possibly with the help of the mercenaries and a few stormtroopers. And then, uh, not mercenaries, raider-type creatures. And then I think, um, obviously, we're going to see the arrival of Ahsoka, and I think before she finds Ezra and Sabine, there's going to be that first conflict with Thrawn. Um, although I'm not sure how that's going to play out. You know, is is the Purgle going to be blown to pieces as it comes out of hyperspace? And, you know, in the battle or in the destruction of the Purgle, we just see the T-6 come flying out of its mouth or from an exploding part. I don't know. Um, but it, it's, it's aiming up, you know, next week's an interesting episode. Are we then going to see them make the return? Are we going to see the Eye of Sion head back? Or is that being left for the end of the season? Um, but I, there's so much that needs to be wrapped up in the next two weeks. It, it's, I don't know how it's going to go. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. And, and you've got to think as well, I don't think the Purgle, I don't think it's easy as the Purgle when they arrive. I don't think they can, they can just... They're not spaceships, so they can't just jump back in hyperspace and go back to the known galaxy. So I think, like, the only way back to the known galaxy is on the Eye of Sion, is my understanding of it anyway at the minute. So Ahsoka, Sabine, and Ezra, and Hu Yang, if they want to get back to the known galaxy, need to get on the Eye of Sion <laughs> before it departs, um, which could be very tense, I suppose. Um, let's go you, Ian, what's your... What's your thoughts on? I suppose what we haven't discussed. What's your thoughts on where the episode leaves Shin and Balin, and then after that, what's your thoughts on where it leaves Sabine and Ezra, and where it leaves Thrawn and Ahsoka? I believe that uh, we might see Shin and Balin uh, look for this power next week that he's looking for. I'm not convinced that they're even after Ahsoka. Really, I know they were looking for Sabine in the end, but maybe. I think they'll look for that. Uh, where it leaves, obviously, Sabine and Ezra, I think they'll have a conversation together where she obviously lays out how she's actually found him and what the stakes are. And I think that will obviously kick him into gear and say, right, we need to stop Thrawn returning. And as for Ahsoka, I think she will come face-to-face with Thrawn. And I wonder if this is where we'll see whether they've read Thrawn Alliances, because obviously Thrawn has worked with Anakin Skywalker during the Clone Wars, and he has also worked with Darth Vader during the events of Star Wars Rebels. So it, it's very interesting that he has a relationship both with Anakin Skywalker and with uh, Darth Vader and see how that plays out. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be cool. Um, Kat, we'll go to you. Any final thoughts on this week's episode of Ahsoka, Far, Far Away? Yeah, I think the final thing I'd just like to say is that Lars Mikkelsen as Fawn is absolutely amazing and I'm so glad that he's gone from being the voice actor of Fawn and Rebels to playing him in live action. He towers over everybody. He brings such gravitas and quiet menace to the role and he just, he is Fawn. So I just, yeah, I I just loved him in the role and anybody who is trying to say that he shouldn't be Fawn because he doesn't look like the Rebels version, Animation is not the same as live action. Indeed. Jason, any closing thoughts on this episode far, far away? No, just that, again, they've delivered on 
um, everything we've come to expect um, and given us a few extra bits that I don't think we did expect. Um, you know, the the arrival of the night troopers, I think, is quite a exciting difference to see. Um, and obviously um, bringing us back to the history of Daphomir um, is something that... Um, when we were going into this series, I didn't expect it to be explored as much as it has been. Um, I'm loving every second of it. And yeah, I just can't wait till the early hours of Wednesday morning. Indeed, it's going to be um, it's going to be crazy. I think what I love about it, and I think a few of you, I think we've all sort of referenced this over the episodes of talked about it. But again, like next episode, although we know we're going to get the continuation of the story, like, there's no way of telling like how it's going to be told, where it's going to begin, so it's going to be like just taking the ride by the seat of our pants uh, again, a wild ride, which is good. Um, I think one thing I want to talk about before we wrap it up is when Balin starts to then tell Shin about this power that's on the planet from the old stories that he wants that can help him do a grand reset. I feel Shin's maybe starting to maybe not wholeheartedly, but there's little cracks starting to go into her mind now about actually, like, what is Balin about? Because um, I think he's he's saying stuff here that she's never heard him say before. And I think she's starting to maybe question question her master in her head. And it might lead to a showdown down the line, maybe. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are on that, Jason. I know you're a big Balin fan. Yeah, no, I, that's the vibes I'm getting. I definitely think that we're going to see the apprentice turn on the master. Um, and I think that could possibly then lead to almost Shin becoming a rebirth or a potential rebirth of the Sith. Um, so I, I think I think this could be what we will then... I think that will come possibly the fall of Balin will be at the hands of Shin, um, which I actually find quite exciting that we're going to see this young young character that's got the potential. And maybe this could be, you know, this could be where they first started to realise that, you know, they needed a young Jedi to, you know, maybe she could have been the precursor to Kylo Ren, Um, could have been Snoke's first experiment. I feel it could go the other way. I feel because she's been trained in the ways of the Jedi almost by Balin, if she ends up leaving Balin, I would say maybe like joining Ahsoka or Luke Skywalker or going to learn that side of the Force more. Do you know what I mean? I think like, I think uh, Balin's the guy who's led her down this path and the mercenary path and, you know, I don't think she's, she's not dark because she wants to be dark. She's dark because of what he's made her do. So, I wonder if maybe it could go the other way, where maybe she, maybe she comes to the light. I agree. Kat, what's your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I'm with you. I think Shin, if anything, is going to go to the light. I think she'd join up forces with Ezra. That would be cool. They, that would look that would look awesome. Um, last thoughts, I suppose. What do we think about Ezra's um, attire? I thought it was quite interesting. How he sort of ditched his old clothing completely, um, and he's sort of gone with very much the maybe the fabrics and the things he would find on this planet. Although he does appear to be wearing like a chainmail vest underneath the red. Yeah, have you have you I heard the story that they're claiming 
the the chainmail is made from the um the remnants of the stormtroopers that he destroyed once he got there. All right, that sounds cool. I mean, I don't know how you destroy them because he hasn't got any weapons, but uh, well, possibly. So what? What? What part of the trooper Well, they they were saying like a tour that the troopers wear dog tags, so that's why I thought it was a little bit far fetched. But it was just an interesting. You know, if he's made this chain now, he's got to have made it somehow. Um, and but it's clearly, you know, he's find he's found a way to survive on this planet. Um, but then again, Ezra always has been a survivor, so it sticks with his story, and that's why I think one of the reasons why Sabine was always so convinced that you know he hadn't been killed when the Purgles took them through. Um, because Ezra always has been and always will be a survivor. Definitely. And he's always been a kind guy who finds family, so he's found family in these naughty, the uh, the native people of this planet, it seems like. Kat, were you about to say something about the robes and attire of Ezra Bridger? Yeah, it's just, it looked, I like the fact that it looked very medieval because that seems to be the style and aesthetic that a lot of the characters are being imbued with and it maybe suggests that is what inspired some of Dave's writing was medieval uh, stories and mythology and the way it looked homespun and so different from what Ezra did wear in the main galaxy I think shows that it's a new era for his character and it's this maturation from his rebels look to who he is now and yeah i just i i love the designs of all the costumes i think they all look amazing and if you look at fawn's costume you can actually see the wear on his imperial uniform there's some holes and some um ingrained dirt from where his uh, fingers do up the buttons and the magnets hidden inside so this the attention to detail from the costume designers is just on point. Yeah. I think my last question is obviously Thrawn references that he might need to use he might need to borrow some of the um or he might need the great mothers to use some of their dark magic one last time for him, please. Do you think that refers to using it on his behalf? Or do you think it means actually using it to give him power? Almost how the Night Sisters created Savage? I think you? you could be. I I think it will be to help him one last time defeat all of the people that are descending on him at this at this moment in time. I think he knows that he's possibly in a position that, with dwindled down stormtroopers, he could be at risk. Cut your thoughts on. Him needing these dark powers one more time. Do you think it's going to be directly giving him power, or is it just going to be used to power his forces? Do you think, or them doing something on his behalf? Yeah, I think it's going to be to do something uh, on his behalf, whether that's to trap the Purgle as they leave hyperspace, or some kind of magic to track down Sabine and Balan. I'm not sure, but it's definitely going to be to stop. Thorn's enemies. 
Ian, what's your thoughts on all of that? Yeah, I uh, I believe that it's it's not going to be like a Savage press type situation. I believe that it will be to help him defeat like uh, Jason said, the people who are descending on him now. So yeah, I believe it will be to power used in some way to help Thrawn get away, basically. Cool. Has anybody got any final thoughts before we finally wrap up this episode? Just how awesome that Chimera shot was. That was my favourite part of the episode. (laughs) Yeah, I loved how it was sort of there's obviously a lot of panels missing. It's damaged, but they've also added some gold to it in certain places. And then obviously the underbelly shot of the actual the Crimea design is still there, um, yeah. which was beautiful, wasn't it? Yeah, it was awesome. Jason, anything from yourself? Um, no, just you know, can't wait to see what comes in the next two weeks. Um, you know, we've been took on quite a ride. Um, I, I said. Um, I think last week how you know the the way that Dave Filoni jams everything into such a short piece of time um, there's not and again with this episode there wasn't a second wasted with filler it was all there all for the story um, and it's it's taking us on a great adventure it has indeed it has indeed Kat any final thoughts on yourself um, the only thing I was going to mention is every part of the Chimera that's repaired with gold and the Stormtrooper's armor that's repaired with gold, that is a reference to the ancient Japanese art of Kintsugi, which is repairing broken, usually broken ceramics with uh, gold and gold powder. Very similar to Kylo Ren's helmet in The Rise of Skywalker, I suppose, where they use red yes, instead of gold in that movie, but... Cool. Ian, where can the people find you on social media? I am at the Mandalorian at on Twitter and Instagram. Jason, where can people find you on social media? At Hondo Ling, as always. Cat, where can the people find you on social media? You can find me at Cat Kylo on Twitter, where I'm always happy to speak anything Star Wars and Kylo Ren. Uh and you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Jolly Jedi Pete. You can find the podcast on Twitter or X um, at Boars Star. You can also find the podcast on Instagram, um, Facebook, TikTok at Star Wars Podcast. Um, again, if you listen on Spotify, uh, we've now sort of putting some polls and questions um, on there. So essentially, where you listen to the podcast, it'll give you the option to answer some questions, and we'll read those if the relevant what we're discussing the next week we can discuss them there so please check that out and remember if you're listening on apple podcasts or on spotify please leave us a top review just helps people find the show and it makes us smile all day long but again thank you very much for listening may the force be with you all and remember always tell that to kanja club Hello, Star Wars listeners. This is Savannah Odit. You might know me as host of the Dorky Diva Show with my co-host Brian Balance. I am also producer of The Adventures of the Zolan Dart, which is a Star Wars-inspired audio drama that we produced over the last year. 
If you love stories uh, about smugglers, courage, heroic characters, and maybe a few foes along the way, you should go to thedorkydivashow.com and listen to The Adventures of the Zolandart today. Shout! We've got your pigs. Were any of the critters harmed? What did you do now? I didn't do anything. I just freaked out for no reason. It was nice doing business with you again. Maybe next time we could deliver something less... Temperamental. <laughs> now, what you call temperamental, I call fun. Hey, is there a place nearby where I can make some repairs? Uh, oh yeah, three clicks south of here, you'll find a small spaceport. Uh, they, they should have what you need, as long as it's nothing too big. Dynamic class? My stars, you don't hear about many of those still being spaceworthy. It's been in my family for a while. She's pretty great. Uh, any chance you have a hovercart we can use to load up? I'll check out the holonet to see if anything new has come up in the sector. My name is Sereth Khan. I am the chief here on Gamai. My people and I have been experiencing food shortages out of late due to unforeseen natural occurrences. We are looking to hire someone. I say we take this one. The pay is great and it's the type of job we're familiar with. Welcome, welcome. You must be Captain Otoa. I've already sent word to Pak to expect you in the next cycle or so. You told him we were coming before we even accepted the job. That's rather presumptuous, isn't it? Uh, perhaps, though once I received confirmation that you are interested and on your way here, I couldn't help but hope. Fair enough. Well, we'll be back as soon as we can. That's not good. Is that blaster fire right here? Ah, so you're the one. Captain, it sounds like they want to do this the hard way. <laughs> I love when they got some fight in them. Oh, this is bad. This is bad. We're about to have a lot of company. I'll see you soon. <laughs>